From Calvary Church of Santa Ana, this is the Calvary Life Podcast, the show where we share stories, laugh together, and have discussions about faith, life, and God with people from Calvary Church. Here's your host, Eric Wakeling. Welcome to the Calvary Life Podcast, everyone. This is Eric Wakeling here with you, and um, I'm going to start trying to record some podcasts from home um, that are probably just going to be with me, maybe some interviews things like that. But uh, this one, you know, as we're here recording this on good old Cinco de Mayo and um, (laughs) 2020, and, you know, maybe we should listen to this podcast in 20 years and just think about, wow, what were we doing on Cinco de Mayo in 2020? It was one of the craziest, uh, one of the craziest seasons um, that we ever had. We probably will look back on some of that. And, um, you know, as we are in about six weeks or so into this whole thing of quarantine life and dealing with the coronavirus, uh, I've noticed that there's just something really big on my heart that I'm hoping for us to really hear and listen to is to consider how we act, how we live as believers in a world that is uh, very polarized Politically, of course, we already know that. We already know that we're in a politically polarized world. But uh, it's really that it's not just politically polarized now, but now it, we're, we're kind of at the beginnings of seeing some polarization around how one responds to this coronavirus pandemic and what that means when it says that, uh, you know, what it means when we think about kind of like reopening, getting back into um, life, what, you know, what people would say, go back to normal, even though uh, I actually heard an expression recently that I thought was good, because it's not the new normal, it's the next normal. And, you know, we keep kind of going into this, what's this next normal phase, like even for me right now, I'm kind of like, I'm getting into a little bit of a groove of sort of used to working from home, used to doing the live stream worship services. And will it be weird then to go back to going into the office every day to not being around my family all day to, you know, having to like to have church with like everybody back there again. It's just, we, we have this next normal because we begin to sort of adapt. Um, our family, we we're very thankful. We, we used to have our job still and all of that. We haven't lost major sources of income or had anybody close to us um, be, you know, really be uh, at risk other than, um, you know, other than Chuck Gustafson at Calvary Church, uh, who pulled through miraculously and wonderfully. But, you know, so like, we're thankful just of what our actual personal situation is in our home, but kind of recognizing <clears throat> what is, what is this like for different people? And that um, you're starting to get these, these strong movements from, uh, different sort of ends of the political spectrum to say, no, keep it locked down, keep it safe, stay sheltered at home, kind of, uh, and, and that has tended uh, for sort of reasons that are a little bit strange to me, but has tended to lean towards the left more. And then you see people just protesting, um, going strong of advocating for us to reopen business get back to having um, 
you know, stores and businesses and restaurants open and all of that kind of stuff. And that has trended for whatever reason more to the right. Now, um, it's hard because I don't, I don't know how you are, but I just think as a person, like, I just want somebody, please tell me what's actually happening. Like, tell me the truth and tell me what it is that, you know, is like the smart decision that will care for the most people. And I know I'm a little probably Pollyanna and a little idealistic with that desire and just wishing, though, that this whole thing didn't have to become political, though, as a good friend told me recently, Eric, everything becomes political. Everything is political. And I guess I just am saying that that sort of grieves me. That, that grieves me that that's how it has to be. I wish that was not how it, <clears throat> excuse me, had to be because I want so badly for us to be able to be in this environment where everyone is just seeking after what is true, what is right. And no matter who they voted for for president in 2016 or who they would vote for in 2020, that wouldn't impact how you think about um, this this whole coronavirus pandemic, but I understand that it does. Now, I get that this is the hard thing too for me is I tend to understand uh, really both perspectives here when you have this. Now, I've read a recently. There's just a really great article that I like um, by. It's actually an article by a guy named Costi Hinn, who is the nephew of Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn is this uh, kind of prosperity gospel preacher, um, faith healer. Most people tend to think of him as a sham um, and as a fraud and as after money for for kind of like fake healings and things like that. Um, and this, his son or his nephew, Kosti Hin, was a kind of in on all of that and actually uh, came out of it and recognizing that that was not the true gospel, this prosperity gospel that God will give you wealth if you follow him. God will give you health if you follow him. He recognized that that's not actually uh, true and and left that and is a pretty conservative uh, Baptist preacher now and writer. And I, I really like some of the stuff that um, he writes about this coronavirus season. And he wrote this article, and it's just simply called Navigating Different COVID-19 Recovery Convictions. And so, like, different people, people have different convictions about how we should, uh, you know, what this next stage of, like, the recovery phase or the reopening phase should be. And so he, he uh, and that's why I encourage you to check out, even to look up that article, it's um, at this uh, website called For the Church, FTC.co. And uh, so, yeah, navigating different COVID-19 recovery convictions. And he just wrote it April 28th. This pretty recently, just about a week ago. And um, he describes these few different sort of camps that you could be in. One is cautious. Um, and that's just those who uh, are working from home. They're following all the CDC regulations. They're very conservative um, about how they would reassimilate. Okay, so they're they're cautious, and uh, I know a lot of people that would be in this camp. I think almost all of us sort of were at the beginning. I think everybody was like at the beginning of all of this, and we're seeing people kind of like start to get fed up with it. And whether that's from feeling a lack of freedom, or if that's uh, 
primarily like the primarily it's because of their income and you know where this has left people jobless and and uh the way it's affected the economy but not just the economy like in this sort of vague um you know generality called the economy but it's how it's affected each person's actual income and their life and their livelihood and their ability to provide and so you've got and so those people that are more like you know are more affected i think personally in that way would be in the recovery side be called confident um, wanting to assimilate quicker uh, wanting to assimilate now regardless of uh, kind of like whatever, like th- just sort of doubt even. You've got this sense even in that of doubt about um, what the news is telling you, the media, what the the experts like the World Health Organization, the CDC, the um, – you know, like the the federal government, the state government, all these different um, people. And um, so maybe these folks don't wear masks. They spend more time outside their home. They don't mind being around people. They will obey the general laws for the most part, but are maybe even some of the protesters um, that you're starting to see. So you've got uh, confidence. You've got cautious people and confident people. And then there's this like middle sort of group that he calls cautiodent, and it's those that find themselves doing and feeling a little bit of everything in both the cautious and the confident profile. And it's interesting because um, I sort of find myself in that cautiodent uh, area more and more as we're going along, and that's just me sort of like letting you know. I'm not saying that's the right place to be, but what you have, and this is something that I think is. Um, is really important when we think about these different people and these different groups is you have people in the cautious camp that are in that group because um, they like care about others. Like they're having this sense of caring about others, wanting them to be healthy, wanting us to not have this virus spread. You have people that are in the confident camp because they care for others and they want people to have their jobs and not become homeless or not miss their, you know, not be able to pay their rent and not be able to feed their families. So you do have people with like real positive, uh, sort of altruistic motivations, even in both camps. Um, it's sort of been generalized to be that the confident people don't care about people. They just don't care if people die or whatever, you know, it's sort of been painted that picture and the cautious people don't care that people are out of work, uh, all that. Now, you also, what I've, what I've sort of experienced and seen in people that I know is you've got people in the cautious camp that are there because maybe they are more at risk, more vulnerable, could be part of an older crowd, could be part of uh, someone with a pre-existing condition of some sort. We have um, some friends who have uh, children with certain conditions that are very, very, very endangered by, like, if they were to get the coronavirus, they would die. And so it's a, it's a serious, serious thing. And, uh, you know, they are very cautious and very strong and have strong, strong opinions about that because they think, well, hey, if you're going to make this happen, you're endangering my child's life. How dare you? It's that, it's to that level. Then we have, you know, other, other people that we know who have, lost either lost their jobs or their businesses have had huge significant drops in income 
and they're very concerned and they've got people that work for them that they would have to fire, lay off. And, um, and they are just like, let's get back to work. Let's get back to this so that we can provide for people. This matters. And so this is what's hard is it, it really does matter. And both have very legitimate concerns, I believe. And uh, so then you have those that are just sort of kind of feeling a little bit caught in the middle, this cautiodent, not cautious or confident, but cautiodent, and they feel caught in the middle of all of this. Now, one of the things that that Costi uh, Hinn was writing about in his article, and one of the things I think is going to be, is, is sort of the most uh, important for us as a church, when we think of Calvary Church, that we are first and foremost followers of Jesus. It is so important for us to remember that. We are first and foremost followers of Jesus more than we are followers of our governor, followers of our president, followers of like any kind of, you know, city or nation, uh, anything like that. Like we are followers of Jesus before we are business owners and we're followers of Jesus before we are parents or anything like that has to be the number one thing in our life. And then we think about our church and one of the most, the most important thing I think for our church is for us to be united around mission. All right. United around mission that we would be unified Unified as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, that we love one another. Loving one another is, is such a high value for Jesus. So loving one another and that we would even be able to speak to one another with love and with grace and with truth. And so it's a difficult thing to sort of combine all of those of truth and grace and love, speaking the truth in love. And uh, now you've got, so united, we need to be united, but not just united, but united around mission. And that our mission as, um, you know, as Jesus followers is to see Jesus made known for the name of Jesus to be glorified, for God's, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ to be spread and for people, for their eternities to be changed forever, including their present here and now. So that's what we, you know, have to be united and united around that. And so my concern when you think of this whole thing is we've got we have cautious, confident, and cautiodent, all people that are part of our church, and my concern for us is that these views, much like political views, because they are political views as well, would my concern is that these things would divide us. May we not allow our opinions on how we recover from COVID-19 divide the church. May that not ever be. And so that is my concern for us as a church, is that we would choose love. We would choose to be able to love our brother and sister in Christ, even though we're terrified of our, you know, our son or daughter or our father or mother 
or ourselves getting sick and we have some sort of pre-existing condition that endangers us. And so when one other person in the church is saying, hey, this we need to get back to business, and all you can hear is, I don't care that your son is going to die. That's what we hear. And so it's important for the back to business crowd to hear that, to hear what someone else is hearing when you say that. When you protest or you say this thing's not real, some of these other people that have these pre-existing conditions or these fears, all they hear you saying is, I don't care if you die as long as I have my money. That's what they hear. And then what I want so badly then is for those who are in this cautious crowd that have these pre-existing conditions, when you say, it doesn't matter, we can never go back, stay in your home, don't you care about people, don't you care about my family, all you care about is money, and when you say that to them, all they hear you saying to them then is, I don't care that you've lost your job, I don't care that you've lost your business, I don't care that this has made you miss two months of your mortgage payments and you're not sure how you're going to be able to make it back. That's all they hear. You know, we, we at at church just today, even just this afternoon on Cinco de Mayo, we've been passing out, uh, we had our first pop-up food pantry and we had enough for 150 families. I think it is to be able to take home a week's worth of groceries. And that line was long cars around just all throughout the parking lot, around the corner kind of a thing, just consistently coming. And that we know next week, it's probably going to be even bigger, that there are real needs. When people need to come in a nice car and get groceries for the week, that means that there's a struggle. And that struggle is real. And so it's super important for the cautious crowd to be able to see where these folks are coming from and the realities that they're facing. And so... I want to encourage us to see one another, see the other person. I don't know how hard that is for you to be able to kind of see what your situation is and then to look and to see where other people are. I liked uh, Kosti Hinn wrote a little bit about this, and he was talking about different kinds of people. And he said that um, optimistic, competent people are a blessing to my life. It keeps me hopeful about the future and enables me to embrace uncertainty as opportunity. And so it's just kind of like, hey, if you feel scared or nervous and there's people out there in your life that are optimistic or confident, let that be a blessing to you and to kind of help shore you up. He says, cautious people are a blessing to my life, that it keeps me sensitive to the needs and concerns of others and helps me make wise decisions and don't act hastily. And so I encourage you in that to be able to allow those cautious people to be a blessing to you. Um, And he says different gifts and approaches make us all more effective. Um, Here's the thing. He says, pride demands that everyone do things the way that I demand it to be or the way that I see the world. Everyone needs to see the world the way that I see the world. And we got to recognize that that is not how it works, that the world is not just how you see it. It's not just how I see it. It's not, um, you know, how the majority or the minority sees it. That That is not what the world is about, but that we all bring our different gifts and approaches together to be even more effective. And he says, people matter more than my opinion. 
it grieves me to see certain things, especially I think the ugliest of this kind of stuff comes out on Facebook and you see posts that are just really demeaning because it's one thing to to have an opinion that's positive towards reopening business and that sort of a thing, being more confident. It's another thing to call people sheeple and that they're just ignorant and blind and, and all that kind of stuff and just being... Uh, you know, that, that these people are morons basically sort of for believing all of this stuff. And it's, I've also seen people that are just, you know, really pretty, pretty bad things saying stay at home, but with expletives laced throughout it and saying, um, you know, these people just don't care about people. They're just part of this like brutal sort of business machine. That's, uh, just trying to, stoke up the the riches of the the very rich and so to recognize hey people matter more than my opinions about this stuff or even my freedom to express it you have as an american you have freedom to express it and the bible doesn't take away your freedom to express your opinion but the bible says speak the truth in love and if you find yourself speaking true things that you believe to be true but without love you are breaking God's law. Hear that. No matter what side of cautious or confident you are in this, if we find ourselves speaking the truth in hate, even truth, then we are breaking God's law. And God's law is above the First Amendment, my friends. Okay? Hear that clearly. The Word of God is above your rights to do anything as an American. That's an important thing I think that we are losing in our culture today is that we have sometimes placed the law of our land above the law of our God. And so that's that doesn't uh, that doesn't have anything to do with what end of the political spectrum you're on. It matters with how you handle yourself, how you carry yourself as a follower of Jesus. And so I encourage you in this in this wild crisis mode to choose love, to choose love, to love one another, and they will know we are Christians by our love for one another, it says in the Word of God, in the book of John, it says they will know that we are Christians. They will know who Jesus is by our love for one another. And so no matter how right we feel, no matter how strongly we feel, no matter how cautious we feel or confident we feel, we need to be people that choose love. So this is my sort of mini mini sermon podcast today, but I pray that you would hear this, and I pray that it would impact you, and I pray that don't even use this message of choosing love as a weapon either. It's what, you know, we could even almost like uh, weaponize this message to be able to lash out at people at times, but it's just important for us to process this in ourselves. So before you, um, you know, before you uh, hit that comment button and just start firing away a, a heavy, <laughs> a heavy comment you're super proud of, or to post that, post that article you saw wherever you saw it, you know, on some quote unquote reputable source or some shady website that you know is not really <laughs> where it should be posted stuff, whatever it might be, but just encourage us to say, okay, let me take a breath, take a minute, maybe pray about it, and. Uh, Think about, am I choosing love for my brother or my sister in Christ? Am I expressing this with, with a, a sense of understanding where they're coming from in this? 
And uh, let's care for one another in this season and just encourage us as we continue to care for one another, both physically with stuff like food and stuff like our Calvary task force or good neighbor task force going out and running errands for people that can't do it. Um, you know, we're doing physical things like that as well as tending for spiritual needs um, throughout. We're still doing all of our counseling ministry, our prayer ministry, our Stephen ministers that just are listening ears for whatever you need to talk about for our worship services, for all that, all that's still happening. We're, we're caring for our community in that way as well. And just encourage you to keep going for it. Keep being intentional. Keep putting, uh, you know, Jesus first in all things that you do. So thanks so much for being part of my little, uh, um, podcast from the closet at my house. And thanks for listening to the Calvary Life Podcast. Thanks again for joining us on the Calvary Life Podcast. If you enjoyed our show this week, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. If you want to learn more about Calvary Church or share any of your thoughts, check us out on our website at calvarylife.org or find us on one of our social media accounts. We're on Instagram at calvary underscore church. Facebook at Calvary Church of Santa Ana and Twitter at Calvary Life. 